What do you have to do differently for applying for home loans, getting insurance, and more as an Amazon seller? What's the path of transitioning from helping a friend on his Amazon business to becoming a real company with salary? We're going to talk about that and a lot more with two sellers who combined make over $10 million a year on Amazon. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. What happens when you've grown your Amazon business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to the next level? That's where Thrasio comes in. Thrasio acquires category-leading FBA brands from small business owners just like you and specializes in taking your brand to new heights while you profit from the growth. When you sell your business to Thrasio, your deal could include a long-term earnout, meaning you profit when your brand grows under their management. So if you're thinking about selling your FBA business, visit Thrasio.com slash Helium10 to connect with Thrasio's deals team. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash Helium10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Series Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon or Walmart world. And we are, uh, it's not Thursday when I'm recording this, but it's Throwback Thursday. For those of you watching this on YouTube, you'll see I'm wearing the, the old school Helium 10 logo circa 2017. This is now a collector's item. It's going to make big money on eBay. Uh, eventually with my collection of the old logo. But anyways, uh, shout out to all you old timers out there who recognize this logo. Uh, a couple of those are probably on here on the call right now. We got Ryan and Jake. How's it going, guys? All right. I got my new logo on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, J- Jake's uh, repping the the new Helium 10 logo on here. All right. Now, this is not the first time they've been on the podcast. Actually, Ryan, this is like now his third time he's been on the podcast. This is Jake's second. They were together uh, in an episode last year, early in 2021. So make sure to check out that to you know find out a little bit about Jake's backstory and then go go back to older ones to, to see about Ryan's backstory. We're going to focus on a little bit different things than we normally do uh, today. But but before we get to that, I just want to like just get an update on on where you guys are at. Um, you know, this is the first time we're talking in in 2022 as far as you know looking at your your last year's sales. So so Ryan, how, how was 2021? First of all for you on the different platforms, Amazon, Walmart, and the different uh, ways that you're selling? Um, You know, we saw a decline in the private label, um, about a 30% decline. Um, And a lot of that was due to just being out of stock the first half of 2021. Uh, And that's partly due to increased sales in 2020 that we did not forecast happening. And then we also switched to Vietnam and we had some issues with that factory and the capacity. Um, But the other stuff, the the um, resale products that we do are still strong. Um, and uh, yeah, I have some plans for some new uh, products to do as well, brand to do. Okay, cool. Excellent. So, were you, I mean, I remember the last time we talked, you know, you were kind of like, was it like mid seven figures there? Um, did you ever come close to, to hitting that 10 million mark uh, overall or where, where were we at? Yeah, so we were uh, over 10 million in 2020, and we were still 10 million in 2021. When you roll okay. everything together, um, it was 10 million. How about just on Walmart though? Like, did that was that also the similar trajectory, or did that actually go up while Amazon went down for you? Uh, I think Walmart's been pretty steady, uh, between 50 and 60 thousand a month. Okay, 
Excellent, excellent. All right, now same question for you, um, Jake. What, what did you guys end up with uh, in twenty twenty one? Like, how, how did you end the year? I know you had like different things that were on the rise, like you're you're ramping up Shopify and and some some actual wholesale. You know, getting getting to some distributors. So, how how did it end up for you for the year? Yeah, I mean, o- overall Amazon sales, we actually ended up about the same as twenty twenty, but we had actually cut a ton of SKUs. So, you know, it kind of evened out, which was awesome. Um, we, we didn't quite hit our, our seven-figure goal for our Shopify site, but it it, it was almost three-quarters the way there. And uh, I think it's going to be well on its way already this year. And actually, I think last month we did on the Shopify site 50% of what that brand did on Amazon, which is a pretty big deal because that brand accounts for like half our Amazon sales. So it's, it's uh, de- definitely moved in the right direction. Okay, cool. Excellent. Now, now going back to, um, you know, Ryan, this is, you know, we're, we're not going to talk too much about strategies and, you know, I'm not, you know, if you're doing something brand new and something new and exciting, we definitely want to hear about it. But, but I imagine a lot of the stuff you were doing in 2020, 2021, 2022, just minor updates here and there. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I wanted to focus on, on, on kind of like your, your life cycle as an Amazon seller, you know, you've been selling on Amazon for a number of years now. Um, and, and you've found a groove, you know, like who doesn't want to, you know, be reaching about 10 million and, in sales, you know, between your accounts and ones that you have with partners and things like that. But I'm just more interested in like lifestyle, you know, like I, I don't, I, I know you're kind of a humble guy. You're not the kind who's going to go out in Lamborghinis and, and stuff like that. But, but like from people, I'm sure you keep in contact with, with people that you went to high school or college with, like, what are some things that you, you've been able to do thanks to having Amazon as your, your, your business that maybe, you know, some of your, fellow alumni are not able to, to do, or, you know, I'm sure some of them might be more successful to you, but I would imagine that you're one of the most successful ones from your graduating class. Sure. So one of the things I did in 2020 was get a VA and that's been fantastic because I was able to offload quite a bit of work onto her. Um, and I've been working very, you know, part-time hours from home. So I was working from home uh, for a while before, you know, COVID hit and now everyone works from home. But uh, I used to have to make excuses why you could hear kids in the background. But nowadays it's like the purpose that it's the normal. Everyone hears that. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing that makes me a little different than the people I graduated with is just the flexibility, uh, location, time. Um, when you kind of systemize and have a VA, it really helps out so that we can go to, we got Disneyland season passes. So we go frequent, um, and we'll go for a couple days at a time and, uh, just enjoying my girls while they're young, they're three and one. So just trying to soak up all that time before they both end up in school. And then we get a little more tied down. So like you work completely out of the house, right? Like you don't have a warehouse that you have to go to every day or anything like that. Right. It's 100% at house at my house. And how about your wife? Does she work out of the house or is she stay at home as well like you? Yeah, she is stay at home as well. She works a part-time pharmacist job that she can do remotely. So it's really flexible. It allows both of us to be around the kids, which is great. What about payments? Like, like, do you own your house outright? Are you making payments? Do you pay cash for your cars? So, yeah, um, I, I sold a small, it was a six-figure exit. Um two years ago. And with that money, we paid off uh, student loans. Uh, I paid off a mortgage of our house. And then um, I did replace my 20 year old car with the brand new uh, 2020 version of that same uh, SUV with cash. But, um, you know, two months ago, we did just 
buy a bigger house because we needed more space and it's got a, it's on a half acre so we got a much bigger backyard so we do have uh, almost 50 percent of, of the value of in, in in a mortgage so we kind of went a little bit backwards but we did get a much bigger house that's going to allow us to um, be comfortable for the next whatever 10 15 20 years okay cool now i haven't bought a house in in years. So I don't even remember what the process is like and credit checks and things like that. But for an entrepreneur like yourself, you know, you're, I'm assuming you're not, I don't know, are, are you getting a salary? Like, how do you get a loan at, at this point? Like, you know, since you don't have necessarily pay stubs or, or do you have pay stubs? Yeah. So it is very challenging to get a loan with, if you're like a 1099 or your own, if you own your own business, they really scrutinize that and makes it really difficult. So that's where the partnership the brands that we have with partners really help me out because I've got a couple of uh, income sources, three of them. Um, two of them are W two, and with my partners, I'm a I'm a minority owner, so I was able to kind of coast by there. Um, one of the partners on the pet brand, he has his own company that I'm a W two employee on, and uh, I don't have any equity in that company, so I guess maybe that was the kind of loophole that allowed me to get through. Um, but yeah, you're right. They, they did not want to accept any of my 1099 income provided that you have to have like two years of steady, um, history with that specific 1099 source. And even then it's still Mm -hmm. like they're scrutinizing it. All right. So like in retrospect, you know, for let's say somebody's in your shoes from you five years ago or four years ago, what are some things maybe you would have done differently? Like, like, would you have set up a, a different kind of corporation? Would you have started, you know, 1099 earlier, would you have, you know, done your accounting in a certain way that because, you know, now you have to do it a certain way because you've been doing it for so long. Just think things like that. What, what in retrospect would you have changed that maybe, you know, somebody out there is listening and they were the Ryan from, from, you know, 2018, you know, that you would have done differently. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, consistency is key. If you are, if you do need to go get a loan, then you, you really do need like more than two years of history with, with whatever you're doing. Um, so that's, one thing. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, yeah, we were, we were structured as a C corp, but we still are. And I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I, I, I do pull a salary, a W2 from that business. I think you can also do the W2 through your S corp. Um, I know that there's benefits to not having W2 as much so you can save on those payroll taxes, uh, and try to do the dividends or distributions uh, for the other part, but in terms of getting a loan and stuff, I think they'd much rather you have the W-2. Um, and honestly, I think just me being a minority owner and not the 100% owner um, also helped out as well, kind of put the burden a little bit more on my partners in the way that these financing companies are, are looking at it. Um, also, my, my spouse's income, um, if, if someone listening has a spouse that has a traditional w-2 job that a business that they do not have ownership in that's obviously gonna probably take priority with these lending companies okay now now last question for you um on the subject at least is insurance you know like medical insurance and dental insurance you know like you know th- those who work in the corporate world you know usually there's this part of your benefits package right but but how how are you making sure you and your family are are, are covered like did you have to get your own premium you, know, you get your own premium or, or something like how, how do you or, or is it through your wife's uh, business how's how's that done yeah so we do have to buy that ind- independently um i'm a big fan of like dave ramsey or used to be uh and he's got these endorsed local providers he calls them so i just did a google search for dave ramsey endorsed local provider he calls them elp and then that came up with some people 
this one insurance agent, I think he's just in um, um, uh, Arizona or whatever. And uh, I guess the point is these guys go through a test to uh, for ethics and all that stuff. So he offers me a really great plan that is very reasonable. I think it's like 500 bucks per month for the family of four. Um, so I think we got okay insurance based on that. That's not bad at all. Yeah. All right. Let's let's I'll flip over to to Jake now. now. Jake, you're in a little bit different boat, but but kind of like clarify for me. Like, are you a part owner at all of the company or the Amazon accounts that you work for? Or are you just considered an employee, like you know the head guy, or do you have ownership in it? How, how does your setup uh, work? I'm a guy on payroll. Just to I like, it. I like and, and there's probably more people out there like you than than there are you know possibly like uh like Ryan here. So how? Talk, walk me back again. Uh, you know, I forgot how you got set up. I remember, you know, how your origin story in e-commerce, but how did you get this exact job? Started working for a friend. Um, I, I, I was kind of actually thinking about it yesterday. I've worked for Mark since like 08 when he was a newspaper editor at a local newspaper. I started stringing freelance for, for them and he had a business on the side that photographed running events all over the country kind of started doing more there. And when iPhones and stuff came out, a lot of that revenue started changing because people were happy enough having, you know, a crappy little cell phone picture. And he read a book on flipping used books on Amazon. So that kind of started that journey. And we'd be driving all over the country and cussing at him for stopping at all these thrift stores, take, making the trip 10 times as long because we're driving in a minivan and, he started doing arbitrage stuff. And at a certain point he couldn't handle it all. So I kind of started helping. I made my own Amazon account and was doing it and we were shopping at all the same places. So it's like, this is, this is kind of stupid. I'll just help you. And I started at like a flat rate per month on the side. And now I've, I think I started full time with him in like 2014. So, I mean, our, the business is, was started around well, hold on let's talk about that because that, that, that's interesting to me because I, I like this transition too it's similar to what i was talking about with with ryan I'm, there's plenty of people out there you got a buddy who sells on amazon or or you are the amazon seller and now you have a buddy that you want to come and, and work for you so so like back in you know before 2014 it was kind of like a like a what an under the table kind of thing where you know he gives you so, some yeah, some I, money I mean, for I was kind of a contract employee um mm-hmm. I, I was i had my day job, which was driving a box truck across Kansas, you know, delivering magazines to warehouses. And that was salaried. And I was able to whittle down my route to like two and a half days. Okay. So I had free time and I was still getting my 40 hour salary on that. Yeah. So I started going nice. and prep product for Mark. And, you know, at a certain point, you know, we were getting enough inventory that he could pay me full time. Okay. And then, um, at that point, you know, around 2014, 2015, whatever, you left the box truck uh, business and, and now you were like a full-time regular, you know, like like salaried uh, employee? Yep. Okay. Um, and it how has that developed? Like, like how, has that, how has that changed over time, if, if at all, or pretty much what you're doing now and, and the structure of how that works is the same as it was in 2016? I mean, it's, it's similar in some ways, but different in a lot. Um, you know, it started just me and him. And, you know, a lot of it was done on just go and do there that some things didn't probably have the structure they needed, you know, um, kind of where we're at now, 
you know, in the last year, in the last few months, we hired a salesperson for our largest brand because we're selling to brick and mortar stores that, you know, do tabletop gaming type stuff. And there's another, we hired a business consultant, John, and it kind of goes back to not being the smartest person in the room. Like he's really forced us to kind of drill down and account for every penny. And, you know, frankly, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we didn't, you know, consider or put enough consideration in over the years. So, you know, we came back from our kind of holiday Christmas break and I got a new job title. What's that? I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> basically I'm in charge of all the of our chief doer of stuff. Right. Right. That's kind of what my title was previously. It was, uh, it was something I made up and it did involve chief. It was ridiculous. I'm an <laughs> e-commerce platform manager and logistics coordinator. So were you so, kind of like the first full-time employee that, that he had then? Yeah. After that, he now, how many, uh, how many is on the team now? Like six. And then are, were these just like, did all of a sudden, it, a sudden it become not just like a friends and family we're hiring. Like you, you put out advertisements yeah. for, for hiring people um, off the yeah, street. That's and stuff. kind of where we're at now. Um, okay. You know, the, 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 I guess the, the third technical employee was, was a, a another photographer that, you know, he, we just had him do and use books. That's all he did. He'd go shop around the city all day. And, you know, when we cut books off because it was starting to get too risky, um, that was around eight to 10% of our revenue still. But at the end of the day, it was a used item with not a great paper trail and Amazon doesn't care. So it became a liability, which kind of sucked. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy where it started, you know, to an arbitrage at Kohl's and and whatever. And now we have, we, we only sell our brands. We have a couple wholesale accounts that we just manage their presence on Amazon, but the rest of it's all our stuff. Okay. Now, uh, you know, Ryan talked about, you know, hiring some virtual assistants. What about you guys? Are, are all of your employees or people who work in your accounts all local, you know, right there uh, where you all are at? Or do, do you have virtual assistants from other parts of this country or other parts of the world? Yeah, mo- most of it's just all in our office. Um, some of the creative stuff, you know, we've always like some of the like box graphics and whatnot. We, we have guys we work with. Um, we've started kind of. Ch- farming out some of the graphic work for like a plus content and whatnot. And it's, it's been hit and miss because you know, a lot of those companies kind of farm it out elsewhere. So you're playing a game of telephone and the people actually doing the work may not quite understand the product the way they need to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to generate relevant content. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun seeing how it's grown. Like since they hired the the gal to do sales for that, for our big brand, you know, her and, and John, it's tabletop gaming brand and they're both kind of like into that. So like hearing them down the hall, get all excited and talking loud and kind of, you know, talking about all their marketing plans for the next few months. It's, it's exciting. Like it's, 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 it's fun to be a part of. Cool. Cool. I I like it. You know, it's, it's cool to see like, you know, how things are built up from the ground up. You know, we, we got different stages here. We got, you know, somebody like uh, Ryan who kind of did it all on his own in the beginning. And now we can see he's in a groove and, and, and see how, you know, what's he's learned from the experience. And we got somebody on the other side, you know, Jake is helping out a friend and over the last, you know, almost 10 years now, we can see how that's evolved into now, now like a legit company out there. So um, let, let's take it back down to like maybe the, the micro level. Let's go back to Ryan a little bit. You know, obviously Helium 10 has played a big role in your journey. What are, you know, a person uh, or a seller of your level, what are you, how are you and your team 
uh, handling like Helium 10? Like what does Helium 10 do as far as part of your SOPs, you know, that you guys are doing daily, weekly, or, or periodically? What are some some uh, tactics and, and things that you're using the tools in? Yeah, we're primarily using Helium 10 to just research new product opportunities, um, take a look at, I think Cerebro is what we use most of the time. Cerebro, Magnet, just the very basic stuff. We're not super sophisticated Helium 10 uh, users, but uh, I think we set up the uh, market tracker and I need to, I was just thinking about that earlier today, I need to really dial that in and get it um, get it going. Um, but yeah, there are some elite only options, like they beta test the elite group and um, I was just starting to plug into that today, so I, I do I do need to get more involved in that part. Okay, cool. Um, ha- have you used any of the the Walmart tools at all, or since it's not, or are you doing privately on Walmart, or is it still mainly like like wholesale and, and things like that? Yeah, we're mainly just doing the resale um, products from our distributor on Walmart because we noticed that um, our pet products we really just weren't getting any traction. Um, there's some issues with the listings that I still need to get re- resolved, and we're using like Celebrate to integrate, and I think there's some miscon a disconnect between Deliver, Celebrate, and Walmart, and we got to get that resolved. And I just I haven't really gotten that figured out yet, and. I don't know. It just didn't seem like very much sales opportunity for those specific products. But a lot of people are buying food um, on Walmart. So that's that's been fantastic for us. And these are like existing listings that we don't really have much content for these listings. So we haven't been optimizing or doing anything like that. Um, We just throw up the content that we got from the manufacturer, which is very, very basic or the listings already created in Walmart. And we just put our offer up there. How can somebody else like find something like that? You know, maybe it doesn't have to be in the food industry, but like, you know, that that's a you know pretty decent gig that you got going on, on on Walmart where you're not having to do too much effort, like you're not having to worry about listing optimization. But but how do you how does one go about finding a supplier that that could get them product at a price that that they that they could, you know, still make uh, some decent margin on on Walmart? Yeah, I'd say it's a lot more difficult nowadays than it was, say, five, six years ago or, or more. Um, back then, it was so easy to contact these suppliers that most of them mm-hmm. didn't have any presence on Amazon. So someone like us can go in and you know sell our services and get their contract. Um, and that's what we did with our food manufacturer. And then they uh, um, shut the doors like probably four years ago. They're not accepting any new clients. There's like a handful, maybe two or three of us that sell on, on the Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Google shopping, whatever. Um, but they're not accepting any new ones. So it, it makes it a little difficult, but you know, there is some hope that by going to trade shows, you might be able to connect and network with people face to face and, and, um, see some opportunity. These people are creating new, uh, maybe they're representing new brands and that brand has no presence online. And just, just, I'd say networking would be the way to do it nowadays. Okay. And, and now what about on the, on the private label side, you know, you say you use helium 10 to, to try and find new product opportunities. I'm, I'm assuming like your brand, uh, you know, you've got your core brands and you're just trying to see what in those niches, maybe, you know, there, there's still opportunity in what are some, like, how are you using black box or the tools? Like, what are you looking for? Like, like what are your, your indications that there could be opportunity? You're looking at reviews, you're looking at sales, you're looking at some, some title density, you know, advanced yeah. metrics. What means opportunity to, to Ryan and his team? 
Yeah, so I follow this um, other influencer in the space. He's really well known, and he's got a method using Cerebro specifically, basically utilizing the CS. You can use the CSV export function if you're going to do it at home, and then kind of opening up that file and doing some manipulations to it. Just taking a look at um, overall how many of your competitors, like the 20 results for a keyword, how many of those people are showing up in the first 30 search results for each keyword, and looking at um, prioritizing the list of keywords based on how many of those 20 show up on that first 30 spots. So if it's like 10 of the 20 are showing up in first page for this search term, then that must be a really good search search term. So just kind of looking at opportunities in that place, um, maybe you can see that there's a list of keywords here that, oh, wow, um, there's only half of the people are showing up. So, and there's still you know, lots of potential out there. There's a lot of volume in this pr particular niche. So there's some opportunity for me to come in and be the 11th person to show up for this list of keywords. Okay. Uh, are you using brand analytics uh, at all as part of your, um, part of your research process? You know, I have not, I need to, that's a, a treasure chest of data that I really need to go into. And then also the, um, the new product opportunity Explorer mm -hmm. looks pretty cool too. I, I I've taken peaks, but I kind of forgot about it. All right. Let's uh, switch back over to uh, Jake now. So Jake, what, what about you? Like, uh, for you and, and your, your coworkers there, what, uh, what, uh, part of your daily schedule or weekly schedule um, is is a Helium 10 tool being used? What are the main ones that you guys are using and how are you using them? Uh, I, I kind of use the, the originals a lot. So the keyword research tools, you know, all that stuff. Because I'm a lot of what I'm working with is, you know, detail page copy and optimizing that. Um, you know, we haven't done a ton of recent uh, new product research just because we have so many irons in the fire at the moment. We're kind of trying to get our legs back on, you know, really deciding on what, what to cut, what to keep. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's a fair amount we're, we're cutting cause it's like, they're okay, but the reality is they're taking enough effort that. Oh we'll yeah. Hold, hold, hold on a moment. Before we get back to helium 10, um, tools, let's talk about that. What, what is, uh, what's the Jake criteria on if something gets the ax, like on, on one of your, one of your SKUs or, or something that makes the cut and it's going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to focus on it. The threshold there. I mean, we have a, we're kind of skew heavy for, how much we sell. Um, so I think the way they're looking at it is, you know, if it's not doing at least 500 a month and contributing without a lot of effort, then they're probably taking a pretty hard look at it. Um, and there's always context around that because a lot of our products have color variations. So like if the MOQ really isn't that high on yellow or pink or whatever, and it can exist and not take a lot of effort, those are still drops in the bucket. But if it's taken away you know, attention and, and effort that should be used elsewhere. I, I, I think those are kind of the things that they're looking at uh, pulling. It would, and there's some colors that do terrible on Amazon that do great on our Shopify site. So, you know, that's always kind of the other side of that too. Um, I'm going to ask this question to Ryan in a little bit, but what about the last year, you know, since we've been on the podcast last, probably the, one of the biggest changes was um the shipping and and pricing and and like you know prices going up manufacturing and shipping shipping times especially from china and and india are just like out of control how has that affected you over the last year you know like have you been out of stock on, on things and oh, what yeah. have you guys done to try and mitigate that like are you raising prices or you oh, have yeah. to order we, more talk about we, that we raised prices across the board and we had to um and in in a sense i think that's kind of okay 
because a lot of our products were trying to sell a better quality item, something or an item that solves that problem better, you know, wh- whatever's applicable. Um, like we, we stopped trying to play the low price game. You know, there's kind of a butt for every seat, right? So the, the ones with tight wallets we're trying to avoid in, in some sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we had to pr- pass it on. And as the tariffs, you know, when those happened, we kind of ate that. We dealt with it. It was okay. Not okay, but, you know, it was doable. But then once once all that freight, ex- you know, went from four grand a container to 2530, that, that wasn't digestible. You know, we, we had to react to that. So... But yeah, I mean, we, we raised prices across the board. I mean, to how be about honest, your competitors? You know, d- d- were they raising prices too? Hit and miss, it seems like. I mean, there's there's a, there's a fair amount of competitors on Amazon that appear to be kind of Chinese factories or trading companies that are kind of direct consumer. So that to start with is kind of hard to compete with because a lot of those those sellers they're okay with you know pretty skinny margins. They're just kicking yeah. it out the door, making it happen. You know. And we're really concentrating on a, a, a better buyer experience. You know, we might essentially sell the same product, but ours is going to look a hell of a lot better in the end. Yeah. Now, when, when you were um, um, launching products back, you know, before like November of last year, were you using any like search find buy techniques or rebates or things like that? Um, like no, last year or the year before? Not, not really. We always kind of looked at that stuff a little bit sideways just because you know, you read the policy and then, you know, we always heard people kind of make the argument like, is that rank manipulation? That's always been vague language from Amazon and every other kind of technique we, in the past, we would, we felt like we'd see Amazon kind of close that loophole, so to speak. So we were always a little weary of that. Um, So what was your launch technique and what is your launch technique nowadays? You know, I'm assuming you, you, you know, at times you know, launch new products. So like, how do you get yeah. I, those initial eyeballs and get to page one of those? Is it, is it strictly PPC? you got some off Amazon well, advertising you well, do? PPC is obviously a, a, a part of it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the day, some listings just go, you know, there's, we, we still have some products that we never really did anything on. There's some SKUs that we've, that's been around for a few years that we didn't advertise on until late last year, just because they're starting to get more competitive again more competitors. So it, you know, we'll, we'll look at some brief sales, you know, to launch or whatever, but you know, there's no, I don't feel like we really kind of have a secret sauce for that. We try to get a decently optimized listing and, and kind of go from there, see how, see how it goes. Um, so you, you don't like, you know, to your existing audience, like send a message, Hey, we got this new product on Amazon or anything like that. You just put it up, but then your, your, your brand based, um, like I'm assuming since you are more established, you got some, you probably got some, have you ever looked at search volume for your brand uh, on helium 10? Like are people searching just for your brand at all? It's been a minute, but yeah, they do. Um, I mean, we get the, the, the brand name comes up in advertising search terms all the time, which is, I mean, that's just cool to see, right? Like we started that with, with, with two colors of one product and now, it's like 300 SKUs. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, so, so guys, I hope you're listening. When you, when you're just launching a brand new brand, you do have to have some kind of, you know, specific strategies, but you, once you get up there and, and have some brand recognition, this is why it's so important sometimes to not enough people are, are thinking about building a brand and your brand recognition, but it makes everything else easier. It makes la- launches easier. Like l- listen to Jake. I mean, 
I hope you don't think, oh, Jake doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't even know what he's doing a lot. No, you, you don't have to do some fancy strategy all the time. Once you've got that brand recognition, there's people who are just going to start, you know, like I, I search for Quest. You know, I, I was eating Quest chips all the time, but now I just search Quest sometimes. Like, oh, what, what other low-carb things do, do these guys, you know, have uh, nowadays, you know? So that's, that's interesting. Now, let's sw- switch back to Ryan a little bit. What about you? Like, obviously, you had an advantage. Uh, I'm assuming your, your Walmart stuff didn't get affected by shipping and prices because you've got a local supplier and, uh, you know, no long uh, ocean shipping times and things. But what about the stuff that you were making in Vietnam and, and China? Uh how have you guys dealt with the shipping price increases and the shipping uh, time or shipping length increases? So, yeah, it's been challenging on the private label stuff, but I think we got a little lucky in the sense that, uh, as I mentioned, our um, sales in 2020 really increased a lot. So that left us out of stock in the beginning of 2021. But leading up to that, we saw we saw that increase. So we placed a bunch of orders with the factory. Um, so we were staggering a container like every four to six weeks to just build up our inventory because we've always every year I've always had issues with running out of stock two to three months out of the year. So we wanted no more of that. So basically by doing that, we were shipping a lot of containers out in the beginning of the year. And I think that's right before the the shipping increase really started happening. So I think the most we paid for the container, the 40, 45 foot container was 18 to 20,000. I think maybe it was the most. We also might've gotten lucky because uh, I think my friends or other sellers that ship from more popular ports from like the Northern parts of China, um, I think they were the ones that were paying 20, 25, 30, 35 plus. Um, But we're more of the South of China. And um, also the Vietnam helped out too because we avoided the 25% tariff for those shipments and that can help out with the increase in shipping cost. Um, But we did have to raise prices a little bit, but, you know, honestly, uh, we only did that on half of our products and uh, I'm kind of stuck on that because uh, we had like a $29.95 price. And then we moved to 31.95, and you know, I thought I was freaking out, thinking it's going to be the end of the world. Um, really, nothing happened. But then we had to go from 31.95 to 34.95, and sales just plummeted. So um, mm. we're still trying well, to figure out. Were your competitors what we're not raising, or what yeah, happened? Yeah, the, the competitors are not raising. They're all Chinese ma- factories, um, and they're actually selling like quite a bit below our price. So we're already the top of the market. Um, so it just makes it a little challenging. So temporarily we're, we lowered our prices just to what we had probably 2020 levels just to see if we can stimulate sales again and get some rankings. Um, but that is an issue that we are going to have to work out. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, what about you as far as launch goes, have you launched anything in the last five months or so? Uh, I have not. Uh, I've got plans for some new products, but we just we were once we built up our inventory. Like I mentioned, we ran into some pretty big cash flow issues. We were overstocked because sales did decrease um, towards the end of 2021. They were not the 2020 levels were not sustainable, um, so that left us with a mountain of inventory, and uh, we did have to get some loans to you know cover some of those incoming freight containers. Um, so how, how'd you get, where, where'd you go for loans? Loan shark or? Yeah, no. Uh, so we looked at Amazon lending. Um, I think we got a small loan with them. I think they changed something about it or, or actually we didn't want to do the personal guarantee. So that, that's what that was. Um, mm. we used to use cabbage, but then they got bought by American express and they completely changed their algorithm on, on financing. So it's like, Hey, we're going to offer you $5,000 when they used to offer us a hundred thousand. So, 
Um, we also went to. Companies. You never look at Alta. The Helium we did. 10 Alta? We did actually look at Alta. All right, cool. Now, if anybody else out there wants to, you know, get get a quote, you know, mo- almost all these different places for for loans and things, you can you can get you know free quotes or to see what you qualify for if once you connect all of your your tokens to them. So so just go to growwithalta.com and you can get it from there. You know, the, the Amazon one just shows up on your dashboard usually what what they they pre qualify um, you for. Now um, let's talk about just some some quick hitting or some TST some thirty second tips here. It could be about how you use Helium Ten. It could be about ordering from Vietnam, it could be about um, you know launches, uh, getting wholesale accounts, anything that you guys feel that you think is a somewhat unique and, and a cool strategy. Um, let's go ahead and 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 consider it. So let's start off with uh, with Jake. Being involved, just in general, in whatever community that surrounds whatever you're trying to do, is super valuable. Like just you know the weekly elite Zoom calls. There's always some little nugget out of that conversation that happens for an hour that's like, oh, yeah, that'll be handy here at some point. And there's other times it totally solves whatever issue I've been working on. Um, you know, just, yeah, just be involved. Talk to people. Kind networking. Of I, I hate saying networking because it drives me nuts because it's just such a broad blanket thing. But it's it's true. Cliche. Your network yeah. is your yeah, network. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate it, but it's accurate. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. Right? <laughs> And you're going to be doing that um, at the you know Prosper show and, and these other uh, these other events. I, I wish I could I couldn't get my spend approved for Prosper. We have the three employees going to the Gamma show that same week week, so I had to cancel my uh, my my workshop. Ooh, I was don't super mark, I'm disappointed. Um, I, I'll pass that along. He'll send you some more uh, some more janky. The PSA Kansas City stuff. Chiefs are going to do terrible this year. Karma, <laughs> telling you, and it's all because you didn't let Jake go to um, go to Prosper show. What about you, Ryan? Uh, give give us a give us a tip. So nowadays, everyone has seen the rise of the aggregators. Now there's like whatever, 100 plus aggregators out there. So everyone's all excited about selling their business. And, and multiples have generally doubled essentially from where they were a couple of years ago. So I think in that you know regards, everyone should be doing their due diligence to uh, make sure their business is ready for a sale. Even if you don't want to sell it, just having your bookkeeping in order and everything lined up um, because you you never know how quickly things will change and you you just want to take the cash out from your business. So I'd really recommend, um, you know, Joe Valley wrote a book, The Exitpreneur's Playbook. It's very small, simple to read, but wow, it's got a lot of really good advice on how the um, selling a business works, the process goes and what the buyer's looking for, um, tips for the sellers, how to get your books in order. Uh, One of the biggest things is like ad backs. You really need to study what an ad back is and what are eligible to be added back because a lot of people selling their business, they're leaving so much money on the table. Um, And I mean, yeah, you can go out and sell your business yourself. The aggregators make it super easy for you to go contact them. But on the flip side, these uh, aggregators are are waiting for you to make a mistake. And uh, just making a simple mistake about not understanding ad backs can literally cost you hundreds of thousands or, or millions of dollars just because you uh, were unaware of how the process works. So definitely read the book. It's super, um, I mean, $10 investment or whatever uh, will make you a lot of money. Um, And then whether you want to go within a a broker, that's up to you. But um, at least get the fundamentals and understand that. That's the biggest advice I could give. I love it. I love it. You know, a lot of people, that's all the rage nowadays. But people think it's just some magic that happens where, you know, you just – 
get this offer and there's nothing you got to do. And there's a lot of pre-work you got to do. And there's a lot of stuff you got to take in mind, uh, keep in mind for that. So thank you guys. We talked today about some things that I don't think are, are talked about enough, you know, about the, the life cycle of, of an Amazon seller, whether you're the owner of the company, whether you're helping out a friend or whether you've got friends that help you. And th- these are real life things that people are going through. So I hope, uh, or I'm, I don't hope, I know there's people out there who uh, are probably in, in one of your buckets here or what the same boat as you now. And hopefully we were able to help them. So thank you. And, and uh, next year, let's let's see how um, you know. Let's see where you guys are at, and and maybe Ryan, maybe who knows? Maybe maybe you you would have sold one of your businesses. Uh, maybe uh, Jake is going to do a hostile takeover on his friend's business and and, and take over <laughs> control. You never know, but uh, we'll we'll definitely keep in contact. And uh, in twenty twenty three, let's see where you guys are at.